and we are live. Seth, how are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Matt? Doing great. It's only our fourth attempt at starting this podcast. One through three. I think we should always just do it multiple times. I feel so much sharper by the fourth time. Yeah, my brain is. You would not even believe the sharpness of my brain right now. I'm just firing on all cylinders. This is. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Take two. We had something brewing in take two, but in the trash now. So, it's gone. It's in the ether. So here's my idea. Just this is the only thing I'll say about current events and open AI, because we just have to we have to be thankful that we are living during this moment that we can tell our grandparents about that. Or no, we can tell our grandkids about. I'll also tell my grandparents about it, though. Yeah. My grandma, <laughs> on Thursday, she's going to have no idea what's going on. She's going to say, Matthew, there was someone named Sam in the news. What's going on? And I know I can tell her. And we can tell totally. her. Oh, this is going to be this is going to be prime Thanksgiving conversation topics. But yeah, you can tell your grandkids, you know, I was alive when Sam Altman was fired by the OpenAI board. <laughs> you, I'm going to tell them. This is literally, <laughs> I, I have a list of all the things I want to tell my grandkids. I think this is now number one. I think number two is that I got to meet Alex Ovechkin. Uh, that was also a great time to be alive. They're just, this is now number one. We, we just have to be, we just have to just be grateful that we lived through this point in history. When yeah. over all weekend, the whole world, the whole tech world, we didn't know what was going to happen. Was he going to go back to open AI? Was he not going to go to open AI? And honestly, we still don't fully know. It's no, there's still drama. Yeah, I think it's okay. So there are two places my brain is going. One is talking about this <laughs> actual situation. The other is talking about how we want to talk about situations like this. And <laughs> I want to start. Let's get all our takes out of the way. Let's just like, let's just do it. Rattle it off. What do you got? <laughs> just fire away so to me i think the the only thing that i want to talk about because I, I think that all the basic stuff is covered by by everyone else what i've been trying to wrap my head around is how this works for microsoft and why do they win by by them getting sam and 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 people from OpenAI to work for microsoft like I feel like the like the Ben Thompson take this morning was that that's a win for Microsoft and like I think mm -hmm. that the general consensus is it's a win but I'm just trying to understand why that's actually I guess it's kind of better for Microsoft cuz maybe now in theory they'll own everything but it's to me it's not totally clear that it's going to be the same open AI that it it was with open AI and and that, that it actually is a w total win it seems yeah. like in reality they're just going to be working together anyway with the open AI team so it doesn't really matter effectively who's running open ai but i don't know that that's what i was just trying to understand is like why is that really a win for microsoft yeah did you read the ben thompson article i didn't actually read it today I, it's on my list because it's obviously like such an important one to read but i did you what was his take his take was microsoft wins here well the the take was that basically i skimmed it and microsoft microsoft was going to win essentially regardless in this in this scenario um, another interesting take that he had was around the, the idea of, um, like apparently he, he edited out of a, his post from like a couple weeks ago after demo day that he was slightly concerned that Sam Altman doesn't have equity in open AI. Cause it almost like, it's like, where's the alignment? Like there's kind of misalignment yeah. there if he doesn't have equity in, in the, the company. And he's like, I really wish I didn't edit that out because that would have been really uh, uh, relevant to, to what happened today. So he kind of talked about that and like governance 
as well. I mean, yeah. the other thing, here's my other last take, and then I'll let, I'll let you respond, is we don't really have all the facts. And I feel like a lot of people jumped to a conclusion immediately that the board was acting, um, you know, illogically or um, they were automatically doing the wrong thing. And, and they totally still may have been doing that. And the power may have gotten to their heads. And I, I don't really know. We don't know all the facts and they haven't talked about them and they still haven't. And the longer they don't talk kind of makes me think that they don't really have much. But on the other hand, the way that it is literally governed is the nonprofit governs the for-profit. The nonprofit, the gov- the board's mission is not to make money. It's for AI safety, right? So if they think that there's some danger to something that AI, OpenAI has discovered and Sam Altman doesn't agree with them, then they kind of have to fire him in a way. It is their duty to do that. So I think that it seems like the way they went about it was probably really wrong, but that's the only yeah. thing is we just don't have all the facts. So it's hard to like, you can't really say one way or another, they were right. They were wrong without really knowing why they did it. Right. Yeah. Okay. First of all, I, w- I want to just congratulate you on becoming a take artist because the absolute take that you just launched here of maybe the board was right. In- <laughs> Yeah, we just we were starting out. We were like going to go in a direction. Where we were like, we're not talking about current events. But it turns out you're just a hot take artist. It turns out you've got all the takes inside you all along. And now let me. Um, I I want to come back to that because I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I think we are missing a lot of info. Like it just doesn't really totally connect. And I was talking to my sister about this before. Like, what did they know that made them so sure that they needed to fire Sam? Given that the whole tech industry, like pretty much everybody, is universally on Team Sam right now. And we haven't really heard what it was that Ilya brought to the board and that the board found out that made them say, no, we need to get rid of this guy immediately. And that I'm curious about because it must have been, they must have felt it was substantial. Like, yes, we can call them incompetent, but I'd at least like to hear what it was that they found out. So that's, I'm I'm curious. Um, I I will respond to your why is this good for Microsoft? Because without, I didn't research this a ton, but I do have, opinions on why it is good for Microsoft. And I do personally believe it is really good for Microsoft. Do you want to respond to that first though? Um, Why don't you just touch real quick on the Microsoft thing and then we can go past that. Yeah. Okay. So in my mind, there are three, if I've got my counting right, benefits to Microsoft. The first is no matter what, they already had access to all of the OpenAI IP. Like they have a, like a, a, like the best in-class license, the best license you could probably get to all the open AI technology. So that alone is already a win. Regardless of what happens to open AI, if they fail, like they're, it's fine. And then now that they have Sam and Greg and a lot of the team in theory joining Microsoft, they're going to be able to leverage the model. So they'll basically be able to like recreate right. everything from open AI uh, just internally and do whatever they want. So that was two. Um, number three is to me the biggest one, which is the what would have happened otherwise? Because let's say that I think we ended up in like not quite the most boring permutation of what could have happened, but maybe the second most boring. The most boring would have been Sam just rejoined OpenAI and they got rid of the board right. and like nothing ever happened. The second most boring is OpenAI exists, but Sam just joins Microsoft. The the most fun and most interesting, which would have been the worst for Microsoft, would have been Sam and Greg go start a new company. And the reason I think that was really bad is... Well, if Sam and Greg had to start a new company, right. they couldn't partner with Microsoft. Microsoft is off the table. But you know who's squarely on the table and has access to a ton of GPUs and has all this funding is Amazon and Google. Like they're going to yeah. go directly to the biggest competitors. 
And that's, I think, disaster scenario for Microsoft. So even from that standpoint alone, <laughs> avoiding that outcome, I think is by far the most important thing for Microsoft. Yeah, that that does clarify it for me. And and, and that makes sense. And I, it sounds like, it sounds like effectively, there is no difference whether they're working for Microsoft or OpenAI for Microsoft. At the end of the day, yeah. they have access to the models. They have, if any, I guess the only difference is if they're working for Microsoft, they do have a little bit more control over Sam and Greg and, and the team than they do if they're at OpenAI where they're a little bit more more separated. So so that, okay, that that does make complete sense to me. And I, I agree, it is kind of the least boring. I mean, the, the most, the second, like most exciting option of, you know, versus him starting a new company, which it makes sense why starting a new company would just, why not just go to Microsoft and keep doing what they're doing as opposed to like starting from scratch. So it, it makes sense. Yeah. I could also see like, given what you were saying and I, I can kind of see where Ben Thompson is going. I think there's maybe a world in which they just like restructure open AI and put Sam and Greg back at whatever new company formed. Where it's basically like a for-profit enterprise that has access to all the open AI IP and Sam and Greg are leading it, which is effectively like what was happening before, only with a different structure. I could see yeah. that being an outcome of this where like Microsoft is kind of a stopgap. And really the main outcome here is that they just did not end up going to Amazon or Google or Apple so, or one of these so other companies. The other thing that's really interesting is the only caveat to Microsoft having access to OpenAI's models is AGI. once Open once OpenAI once the board determines under that that there is AGI, which is going to be up for debate regardless, then it gets turned off and Microsoft no longer has access. So now, in theory, maybe Microsoft would have access to that AGI that that is developed under yeah. them if Sam and Greg and the team is working for Microsoft. So um, yeah. Which yeah. is a really interesting case where in the future, there's a world where like once they reach AGI, they're competing with everybody. Like they're going to be big enough where they're going to be competing with Microsoft. They're going to be competing with so, all these companies. And so maybe, yeah, you're right. It could be like a bit of defensive jujitsu to try and prevent against a world where Microsoft is so, like seeding its biggest competitor in the future. So do we assume that this is actually going to happen and Sam and Greg are going to stay at Microsoft and not go back to open AI? Do we buy Microsoft stock? Do we invest? The time to have bought it would have been yesterday. And the second best no, time. No, I don't think so. Yet. The stock only went up like, at least earlier today, it was up like one and a half percent. I think it, we, well, it dropped a lot. And then on the news that Sam and Greg were leaving, and then it jumped back <laughs> to what it previously was. It's a really funny stock chart. It's like, if I, if I, yeah. like, like, boom, 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 boom. It's actually a I hilarious mean, stock chart. It's but not it basically, a good idea. It only went up one and a half percent today right so there's yeah there's not or one and a half percent in the last week so there's not really if you wanted to buy you you still could buy it i mean the market cap's 2.8 trillion dollars so yeah. uh which is crazy but yeah um it, you, i mean if you believe it's going to get to 10 trillion um and i i this and this doesn't i think this increases their odds significantly for that we were so naive 12 years ago when we were in McIntyre Investment Institute and we were like, wow, Apple could maybe like get to be an $100 billion company, but who knows how much more they can grow from there. And we were just so naive thinking that was basically as big as it got. And now the <laughs> valuations are insane. It's just absolutely wild. 
when was okay when were we that was like 20 2011 or so yeah microsoft was 24 dollars, so it's gone up over like 11x since then we could have just pitched microsoft <laughs> yeah, i remember well didn't alvin Kwai? he basically pitched amazon and it was like a fantastic stock idea it was it was so brilliant <laughs> and he won the competition we we pitched Zipcar, and he pitched <laughs> And I think we got the trend right, but the company wrong. We got ride sharing right. We got the company wrong. We should have just been seen. Yeah, it was really what we should have done. We were, and yeah, we were ahead of the curve. We could have been Jake Howard. Yeah, we we got yeah. the trend right. We could be Jake Howard right now. We could have been turning twenty five k into twenty five mil. <laughs> Not that I had twenty five k back in twenty eleven, but so, um, do you so, want to? So go ahead. I was going to say, let's move on to. Well, I was going to say, do you want to talk briefly about? was the board right is there an argument that they actually were did the right thing and i i'm just it's so odd because Ilya came out today and flipped basically and said he deeply re regretted doing it but he yeah. still hasn't, hasn't said anything about why he wanted to do it in the first place so yeah something is is off obviously yeah I don't really have a strong opinion on that. And I, I want to take the conversation in two directions. And then I think there are even more interesting places we can take it. I think yeah. one is um, I had a conversation last week with someone where I was trying to figure out, like in light of reading the Elon Musk biography, in light of reading the Steve Jobs biography, I kind of had this overarching question over all these of, do you need to be that tyrannical and that much of an asshole in order to start a world changing company? And I, was struggling because internally I felt like the answer must be no, but I don't have a counterfactual. And I think Sam Altman is probably the best counterfactual that I can think of, of someone who actually seems like a deeply kind and great leader, a deeply kind person and great leader who actually went out and started one of these world changing companies. So that is one reflection I've had over the weekend, just reading yeah. all these nice stories about him and reflecting on that question. Even I had a conversation with someone on Friday about, and I really wanted to believe the answer is no, you don't have to be, but didn't, couldn't think of anyone off the well, top of my head who, was a counter example and, and Sam Altman, I think is now the counter example in my mind without obviously so not, not, not tyrannical, but probably obsessive worker. If I had to guess, I would um, guess so too, but he seems like he's at least a great leader and people want to work yes. for him. And people of course want to work for Elon Musk too, but I think they're probably more interested in the fact that he is Elon Musk and that they're working on what they believe is something so life-changing rather than like him being, a very motivational person and a kind person and someone who would like go out of their way for you. Elon right. Musk. I, I believe that. Yeah, I totally, I totally believe that. I buy that. Yeah. yeah. So that's one thought that I've had. The other thought that I had, which is more of a meta conversation about how do we want to personally talk about current events like this? I actually, my personal take, and it's something that I don't think I've done very well recently is unless I have an original thought, I don't want to share it. I don't think that this is the platform because I don't think that we're going to win on analysis of current events. That's not where you and I are going to be like top of the charts podcasters. It's just not our game. I think that we're really good at thinking of business ideas. So if we wanted to say like, oh, dev day just happened. Let's talk about ideas for agents that we would build. I think that's right in our wheelhouse. But I think recapping like, here's what happened. Let's debrief. Other than like the, you know, here's 10 minutes on like what conversation we would actually have had if we were just picking up the phone and talking to each other and been like, oh, dude, can you believe this is crazy? That I just, if we're, as we're starting to think more about what we want this podcast to be, which is, has been an ongoing conversation and it's something that we talked about recently, that's my two cents. And please push back on that if you feel differently. No, I, 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 where I think that, um, 
where I think that it is good is, is what you said, both both the, the new ideas, but I, I do think there is something to the conversation about what's happening because it, like I feel like the conversation we just had was just like, okay, what are we curious about? What are we trying to understand yeah. a little bit better? What are our takeaways talking as friends and people who understand the topic? So it's, so to me, from, from a meta perspective, like I think what the 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 to, to break the third wall uh, or the fourth wall, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think that this conversation was was uh, I think it was good. I, I think that it was it yeah. was like pretty aligned with that and not saying, oh my god, like so. Here's a recap of everything that just happened yeah. with OpenAI because there's other places you can go to get that. And also, I don't think either of us want to have a, have a conversation where we're recapping what just happened over the last three days because we've been following it as well. And I think yeah. we can assume that anyone who's listening has been following it as well um, also. Totally. No, I agree. I, I think this conversation has been really good where I, I will call <laughs> myself out because I don't think it's been as much you as it is me. I think there have been too many times recently where I've been like, well, here's Ben Thompson's take and let me just repackage it for you and tell you. And I see. that's that's not where what I want to do. I want to like, for me, where I think that this podcast is really helpful for me and what, what I love doing is trying to think of original thoughts. And to the extent that I can do that and this helps me do it or helps me form my own opinion on things, I think it's great. Uh, once I start just telling you, oh, here's what Ben Thompson thinks about this issue, that's no longer an opportunity for me to feel like I'm contributing any value to anyone who's listening to it or to myself, more importantly. So I just want to, it's more like I want to put the onus on myself that if I'm going to say something out loud, I it's an original thought and it might be wrong, but I'm going to this is what I'm thinking. And that's why when you ask, like, oh, is the board right? I honestly don't have an opinion on that. Like, I I, I don't know. Um, but I, I think that as far as at least my opinion, and this is going to be an ongoing conversation and maybe even the subject of one of our episodes, like, what do we want this podcast to be? And what is it going forward? What is like the tagline of this? I think it's, yeah, uh, for me, at least, like coming up with original thoughts and workshopping them with you, whether that's business like ideas, that, yeah. or events or whatever. Cool. I like it. Yeah. Cool. All right. In the spirit of original thoughts, you you want to start or do you want me to start? Uh, you could start and then I, I have something after you. All right. Sick. Okay. So I'm going to start with Mint, which is something that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks. We're, we're even late to the current event here, which is Intuit shutting down Mint. But this isn't yes. going to be us recapping the issue. It's going to be us chatting about business ideas. And there are a couple of different things I've been thinking about. Uh, one is a spin on an application that I love and use all the time called Capital. It's Q-A-P-I-T-A-L. And it's basically a, a savings account, like a, a set of sub savings accounts where you can automate transfers of money into these accounts. So for example, like if I take 10,000 steps on a given day, I $3 will go from my bank account to a fund, a shoe fund. And uh, when I was trying to save up for furniture and set aside money for it, um, I would take 20% of my paycheck and every time um, that landed in my bank account, 20% would just come out and get put into the sub savings account. And I think there are already like a couple of ways I would take this. I'll, I'll tell you all the ideas and you can react wherever you think is interesting. So one yes. is um, people haven't really heard of capital. Like I have used this app for seven years and no one that I know has ever heard of it except for the people I tell about it. And I think that there's an opportunity to one, like market it better, make a very smart app. Two, to take it, but instead of having just like basic savings accounts, which is what you have, you could uh, help facilitate high yield saving, sub savings accounts. So that's two. 
number three would be to make it social. So I think that you could have group savings goals. Like if you and Sophie were trying to save up for a puppy and you wanted to contribute like $50 a month and she wanted to contribute $25 a month and you could each do that and have it set up. So I think that those are a couple of different ideas. Um, and I think that there's something really interesting around like, I've been thinking a lot about financial anxiety, which is something that I feel like I have a lot. And one thing that I, I think I'm using capital to do is basically to smooth out my savings or smooth out my spending. Sorry. Meaning like I, instead of having a very lumpy, like I'm about to spend $10,000 on furniture. So in November, $10,000 is going to come out of my checking account. This is a way for me to smooth out my spending where every month leading up to it, I will put like a thousand or $1,500 into an account. And then at the end of the day, it's like, oh, I've already spent all the money. And so it's smoothing out the spending. And I think there is something really interesting for people where if you could pre basically like predict your spending and make it so that every month you're spending the exact same amount and behind the scenes, it's just going to figure out like, okay, well, we have to pay rent. And there's like this, you know, thousand dollar bill that you just have for a bachelor party, but it's okay because we're like smoothing everything out and we've already accounted for it 10 months ago. Uh, and we you have a sub travel account for you. And we're just going to pull put like $100 a month in there. And then we're going to pull from that when the $1,000 comes due. I think that that's an interesting permutation of this. Um, but yeah, I, I think basically like um, in, in light of Mint shutting down, it got me thinking about personal finance applications. And I'm particularly interested in savings. And I think that there's an opportunity to create a high yield subset of sub savings accounts. Uh, and one application of it could be to smooth out savings. So that's like a short, summary of my ideas i'm curious to hear your both your reaction to that and also if you have any other ideas that you could think of for this i like the idea of capital but with high yield savings accounts because yeah i don't really see the point of it otherwise at least personally other than it is like a band-aid for it's kind of like a you know for people who have financial anxiety, I see how it's helpful or it's helpful for, for budgeting. And I, I do see how it is providing value there for people who just don't. I think, honestly, for probably people who are less financially, um, like, uh, maybe comfortable. as you, Like, you, you could create a spreadsheet and, like, manage your money. And, and that's something that you would do. So, um, oh, I do. It's, inter it's interesting that you, you won't like capital is something that that you do use because i feel like to me it's it's target market is people who like don't aren't able to budget very well and, and it helps them do that by forcing them to 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 kind of budget um maybe for you it's providing that value of just like security and then like okay knowing that the money is being saved because it's literally going in a different account um yeah. so so that's that's kind of how i see it I, I think the the bigger market for them is i assume people who are um like like don't even have the the acumen to kind of manage their their budgets um yeah. which which i think is cool but but no like for me like i would consider it well i, I don't know I, I would probably be more likely to consider it if there was a high yield savings account attached to it right because then it's like okay you like it's it's a good thing to to put your money into a high yield savings account anyway but yeah. also we're going to help you figure out how you can spend this money in a cool way or like like incentivize you. I would also try and think about what other benefits can you add to incentivize people to 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 do this. So like whether it's partnering with to me what what is like the next level of this idea 
is partnering with an airline or partnering with Best Buy or partnering with Amazon or some merchant where not only are you getting the high yield savings, but maybe if you've held your money in there for a certain amount of time, then you can also get some other benefit at the merchant. So that's kind yeah. of where my head, head is going is try and make it as attractive as possible for people to to do this while also having the added benefit of of uh, saving and, and and making it fun and easy to save. Uh, yeah. So that's that's like some some of my ideas around it. No, I, I think that's totally right. And, I, and I'll react to a couple things. One is a comment that you've made in the past, which you highlighted here too, which is um, there aren't a lot of applications that help you spend money in cool ways or teach you how to spend money in cool ways or get you excited about spending money in cool ways. So I think that's something that's focused not only on savings, but also on spending could be very interesting. That's one reaction to what you said. Number two is... Um, you mentioned like the spreadsheet and I think that's a really interesting point and important to call out because in my mind, it, it both like highlights something that would make it easier to build this um, because instead of needing like individual accounts for all these sub savings accounts, it's really just like entries in a, in a spreadsheet, right? That you're categorizing in, in different ways. So it could all be yeah. in the same account. You're just like calling it that this $200 is in a shoe fund versus this $45 yes. is in a furniture account. But there's no yes. real difference. Like behind the scenes, it doesn't need to be in separate places. It can all just be. Yep. And in a similar way, I can just like have a spreadsheet where I label all this as, oh, here's money I've set aside and here's a big pool of it and here's where it goes to. But in my yes. mind, I agree. I'm, I'm like mostly benefiting from the peace of mind of knowing that the money is already spent. That like feeling of feeling like, oh, I don't, this isn't new money I'm have to going to have to be on the hook for. It's really just like old money that I've already saved up. Um, but I'm I'm wasting money because I it's not high yield. It's like incredibly low yield. It's like 0.05%. It's, it's like basically 0%. Um, so that's number two. Which is interesting because capital, do you pay for capital by the way? No, I don't. I, I've like joined so long ago that I'm on whatever crazy membership for ever. Got it. Cause I see, I'm, I'm curious like what they're, they do charge you either $3 up to $12 a month. So I'm wondering what you get um, by paying more, but um, you can get a debit card. I don't know they they've added these like random, um, I guess like features. Um, yeah, I, I'm like grandfathered into their most premium plan without paying anything. So so yeah. Anyway, I think that adding the high yield would be really cool, um, and honestly, it would be very doable. There's all sorts of banks out there that are that are digital first banks that you can partner with to to add this type of functionality totally and the other I'll, I'll just comment two other things one is another problem that i could solve which i'm actually solving for myself by getting access to the production environment of plaid just for me is um automating the syncing of data into a spreadsheet because i think there are a lot of people like me who love and do use excel as their front end for tracking their spending like mint was a way to do this but i think there are a lot of people like me who love the customization of, mm -hmm. I have all the data in Excel and then I can do whatever I want with it. And, um, but that step of actually getting all the data is really annoying. And so Mint <laughs> did solve the problem there and just like yes, aggregating yeah. one, one view is really nice. And there's a company that you sent me called Tiller, which is interesting where it does something similar. It's basically like, um, access to your data and a feed of that data into a spreadsheet, which is really interesting. Um, and I still think there, you could probably make a similar product where you're just like, you know, our, our product is we just give you the data and you go to town, like we'll give you some templates, but like you build whatever you want with it. 
That's great. Yeah. And we'll give you buttons. So if you want to like fetch your data live or like refetch it right now, but we'll just fetch mm-hmm. it every day on a schedule. Um, that was another interesting idea I was thinking about. And it also mm-hmm. dovetails into something that I have on my calendar for us to do that is a data project to work on starting Ooh. in December. And uh, I, which I'm also excited about. But I think that generally where I'm going with this is I think that actually like spreadsheets are a very interesting UI. And it's one that's probably underdeveloped and undertapped, where I think that there is probably a large subset of people who are very like spreadsheet native and like to do a lot of things in spreadsheets, but struggle and don't know how to automate the, the syncing of data into that spreadsheet. But if you were able to do that, then they would like be perfectly happy mm-hmm. and even maybe prefer that over something that's a, a UI on a website. And I think that this Mint idea is, is a potential like path there. Where if you wanted to just have your entire product be, hey, we're going to sync all of your uh, bank account data, your credit card transactions, your Robinhood account, like all this stuff into a spreadsheet so you can track everything. Great. Mm-hmm. We'll just like take care of syncing all that data for you. I I agree. Um, and yeah, I think that I think that would be cool. Um, I really yeah. like the idea of the high savings yield, the high savings account um, savings idea yeah. uh more probably but i i think that the just import yeah the plaid importing to google sheets would also be very cool yeah agreed here here yeah um cool. where do you want to take it all right here's my idea and i'll walk you through like the the idea and i, and I want to hear what you think so this idea came from a tweet that i posted a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, right after um, OpenAI's Dev Day, where they released the um, the Vision API uh, in um, in beta. The Vision API is where you can basically upload an image, and then uh, the AI can essentially see the image and and then respond to a prompt based on that image. So I created a, a quick uh, demo of this and like. 30 minutes in bubble where you basically enter a URL, it hits another API to get take a screenshot of that web page, and then it sends it through OpenAI to essentially give you like uh, feedback on how to make your your web page better to like better optimize it, um, just improve it essentially. And that tweet went viral. I think it had like a million views on, on that tweet. Uh, People responded. They were like, when can I use this? Like, I think people were now, I mean, people were excited because it was new. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that I was thinking about, okay, if I wanted to turn this into a product, what would be the right way to, to do it, essentially? And what I was thinking is I think it could be kind of cool to essentially have a product where uh, you, it wouldn't be a subscription. It would just be pay for a report, essentially. So maybe it's $5 for one web page or something. Or like if you want to, maybe like the first one is free, but then if you want to do every web page on your site, then it costs $50 or something like that for to get every page on your site analyzed. And then just anytime you want to do it again, you just analyze your site. It's another 50 bucks or, or whatever. Or maybe if you want to, you know, get a report every month for your site, you could just you know, on a schedule, pay 50 bucks, and then you'll get a report emailed to you for every single one of your, of one of your pages. Um, so that's what I was visualizing. And I, I feel like it could be kind of cool, just like an automated, 
I don't know. I, I feel like if it was simple enough and if it was cheap enough at the same time, then I could see people and companies using it and just being like, oh yeah, why not? It's just going to give me, it's going to be, and it's the kind of thing where it's like, yes, okay, you could put this into chat GPT and, and get a result. But if I think if you just made it really easy and, and like you put in your URL once and then it just, it takes the screenshots, it does it at every page, it does it on mobile, it does it on desktop. And like, it just takes care of everything for you. Uh, I feel like it could be kind of a cool product, like a very simple product, but um, also pretty cool. What are your thoughts? Uh, do you think, yeah, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. My thoughts are, I need to riz you up for a second. Okay, first of all, your boy went viral. You, you got, <laughs> you went supernova. Like you, you <laughs> it was awesome. Like you kind of undersold it. Even when you texted me the next morning, you're like, dude, this worked. And I was like, uh, yeah, it like really fucking worked. It went really well. <laughs> And uh, so that's one. Number two, I love the business model. It's actually, I want to build on it because it's something I've thought a lot about for Boxjump when I was running it five years ago. Um, what I was doing at the time was part of the product was selling, basically reporting to gym owners on how their business was doing and like one dashboard where they could just go to it and see, okay, here's how my gym is performing. And um, I, it was, I thought of that exact same business model and marketing hack of, I think it's really smart to say, hey, the first one's free. The first one's on us. Like, go enter your credentials. Like, the first one's on us. And then after that, if you want it ongoing, then you can pay. And I think it's it's so smart because who's not going to take advantage of that one free one? And then you already get, like, interested parties who try your product. And you get all their contact info. And then you just keep following up with them to try and convert them into a, a paying user, whether that's uh, recurringly. And I think that's a smart idea to be like, hey, we'll keep sending you reports. And we'll, like, keep you know, updating you weekly, monthly, whatever on your web page. It's all latent. It's in the background. You don't need to do anything. Or in the case of Boxjump, like, hey, we'll generate the first report for you. But if you want the data to refresh, like, it's not going to happen until you enter your credit card info. And I think it's such a smart idea. It's such a good way to get people's foot in the door. And it's almost a no-brainer to a lot of people like, oh, it's free and I can just try it. Great. And then you also get their contact info. And I would imagine that that would convert really well. I didn't end up doing it for Boxjump, mm -hmm. but... It was, I, I like planned it all out because I had a way to automatically go and like get all their data and stuff. Uh, and I just never ended up building it because I went to business school, but that, I love that idea. I think it's so smart and I think it's not something I've seen done. Uh, so I think mm. it's very unique as well. I don't know if you've seen it on other sites, but very brilliant find by you. I think it's really smart. Cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. And do you think that it's something people would pay 50 bucks for, for like an analysis of their whole site, like page by page? I'm trying to think what, is the right price, right price point, and where are you actually providing enough value to to someone? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. How much does it cost you? What's the? I'm actually not sure. It's kind of expensive to run the model, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'd have to look and see like each page. If, if is each page like ten cents? Is it fifty yeah. cents? Is it a dollar? I'm not totally sure. Yeah, because I I think that you're. I think the issue here is you have like legit cost of goods sold and I could tell you like, oh, you could make this like so cheap that every company would use it recurringly and you would just charge them 50 bucks a month and that'd be it. My, my gut though, when I said that was, I wonder if it is the type of thing where you actually need to do it ad hoc only because of the cost structure of this, where every time you make an API call, it's just expensive. Um, and so that was one thing I was wondering, but yeah, if it's on the order of like, tens of cents or like pennies then i think charging i don't know you could charge probably 50 bucks a page or not a page 50 bucks 
per site, site. maybe per month. Uh, right. And that's totally reasonable. Or even for like a one-off report, like would someone pay 99 for it? Maybe. Probably 49 would be like more of a no-brainer. But yeah, I think people totally right. would. That's what I was thinking. Maybe like one report could include up to like 10 pages on your site. So you would just enter in like the pages of your site. And, and then, yeah, you could get a report. And then that report would essentially go through all the pages. And then um, I think the key is making it building out the product so that it's really easy to understand what it's, what it's suggest, suggesting. And also, obviously, it has to be good. So otherwise, it's, yeah, it's totally. uh, not, not useful. But anyway, I, I don't know. That's what I was noodling around. And I was like, oh, this could be a fun project. And it's also the kind yeah. of thing where it's a one feature thing. Like, you don't have to, like, build out a million different things for it. And it's also, like, it's not a subscription. It's just, like, pay, pay when you need to use it. And um, it's a good time to build it now because vision is still in beta meaning even if even if it went viral right now you can only do 200 api calls a day right now for for the vision api but if you build it now then it could be like ready to go once it gets out of beta essentially yeah totally i think it's a really smart idea i like it a lot do you think cool. i mean you have so many pulls on your time do you think this is something you actually want to do use with your time or no maybe or better, it's more just fun to ideate on uh, I might do it because it's it it's the kind of thing that I don't think actually would take that long to build out. I could probably do yeah. it in like a day and it would just be fun, right? Like if it's just something I want to do for fun, then yeah. I, I might build it out. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not totally sure. I like it a lot, though. I think it's a cool one. And I think the business model is really interesting. And uh, there's a lot that you can do there. And I think it would be pretty. I can imagine a lot of people signing up for it and then converting them will be always a challenge. But I think a lot of people at least do like the first free report. Yeah, for sure. Especially if it's on the order of like 10 cents. Uh, it feels like a no brainer, but if it's on the order of like five bucks, every time you want to rate someone's site, then that feels like. No, you know, it's not five bucks. It's closer to 10 cents than five bucks, I think, for one yeah. for one page. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. All right, cool. I like that. Yeah, oh, that's cool too. You could also give them like a page score, which the AI could just yeah. essentially come up with uh that's interesting and suggestions like you give them copy suggestions like there are so many ways to continue building on this it could be like their website web app development I, yeah i just really like the idea of only having to enter in a url and then it giving you results like you don't have to take a screenshot you don't have to do anything else like yeah. it just i feel like that flow is just very very cool yeah totally agree um cool all right what do you got next Okay, there are two other things I wanted to chat about that I have on my list. One is, um, I'm calling it like technology or, or content hygiene. It, it's something that we've danced around for a little bit, and now is not really a good example of it because the past two days, like if you were not on Twitter, then what were you doing with your life? But um, I just feel like generally- I was, I was doing such a good job of staying off Twitter until uh, this happened. Although I, this, this was fine because it was just all intriguing and yeah, uh, it fun. Was, it was so, pure drama. Yeah. Like you just, there was nowhere else you wanted to be. It was, uh, but I feel like generally I've been in a similar mindset to you of wanting to give it up. I'm wanting to do other things instead. And I feel like the, the reflex for me is I'm working in the middle of the day and I'm like, all right, I've, I've got like, you know, three minutes before I want to go take on the next task or three minutes before this meeting, what am I going to do? Or I'm zoning out in a meeting. What do I want to do? And my reflex is go to Twitter. And I don't love that reflex. I would love for it to be something else. Um, and I was just curious, like, what is your tech hygiene? How do you... What do you do? Do you like read stuff during the day? Do you read articles? Do you like go for a walk? What What are you What are you doing? Because I would love to have much better 
tech hygiene. And this is not, I don't think I'm generally in a good hygienic phase right now. I think my reflex generally is I check Twitter, like probably no joke. I open the app probably 15 times a day and uh, I spend way too much time on it and I never leave happy, but I would love to figure out what are more productive and happier ways I could spend my time if I'm taking a break in the middle of the day. So my, uh, my impulse is also to go to Twitter or YouTube. Yeah. YouTube might be better than Twitter. This was the idea behind the app I was building, which was like yeah. stumble upon, but for articles about yeah. tech. I liked, it was great. And I still like that idea. Maybe I'll pick it up at some point, but yeah, I think that if you want, my feedback would be if you want to not be on Twitter you have to make it hard for yourself to get to Twitter, meaning you need to yeah. delete the app off your phone and you need to delete. If you have like a bookmark and arc, like you need to remove that. So you need to make it harder for yourself to do it and easier for yourself to do the activity that you want. Like if you want to be reading, you need to have your Kindle like next to you. So I think yeah. that like it's, it's about to me, it's just about making it harder to do what you don't want to do and easier to do what you do want to do. Yeah. I agree. Actually, as you were saying that, I removed it as a favorite from Arc. It's literally the number one. It was the number one bookmark <laughs> on Arc. <laughs> so, of course, it was going to be so easy for me to go pick up. Um, no, I agree. And I think just building on your... So I want to jump to your idea of stumble upon, but uh, really quickly, I'll just throw out like three things that I wrote down as, as ways that I think are much better uses of my time. So one is mm. playing a game of chess, which is like a good mentally stimulating break and uh, not Twitter, most importantly um other content so i wrote down like youtube and podcasts which i think in my mind are different from twitter and that like twitter feels very you know i'm just like opening it up and i'm scrolling through for a few minutes whereas like youtube and podcasts are probably more productive and better more like beneficial to my learning but mm -hmm. are, not, are not reflexes for me it feels like cheating to do that in the middle of the day so maybe it's just a, a quick reframe of my mind um and the last thing i wrote down was just going for a walk which i think i've done much more of because i've had to with puck but I would like to do more of because I just find that I'm happier when I go outside. And um, so those are a few that I was thinking of, and I think I'm doing a better job of doing. But I, I want to go back to your idea of stumble upon because I think that it does solve a key problem for me, which is that like there are a lot of times where I'm sure there's great content all over the Internet, even from like 10 or 15 years ago that I just don't think to look at because instead I'm thinking, oh, I should go on Twitter and see whatever the latest thing mm. is. Mm -hmm. And I, I think at its best, I like Twitter because it's both like the place to be. Like I, I'm in the loop on everything in life and I'm not going to be out of the loop on anything if I go on Twitter. But, oh shoot, my, my video cut out. Um, like I'm not going to be out of the loop if I go on Twitter, but I also really love times on Twitter where it's like, oh, there's a great article that was shared or like Paul Graham just put on a new essay. And I'm in the loop on that immediately. And I get to read and consume that. And I think there are so many things that I would also love to read and consume that I just don't even think about. And I don't really know what to find because X is really just frankly not the best place to find that. And there isn't really another like greatest hits of the internet type forum to find that stuff up until someone reposts a post from like 10 years ago or five years ago or a year ago uh, that was fantastic, but I just never think to read. Right. Up until Tumble Tumble Reads becomes the next uh, big Up website. Until Tumble Reads, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that also made me realize that if I did build Tumble Reads out, 
distribution could just i could run twitter ads and it can just be like are you tired of doom scrolling on twitter like yeah read the best articles on the internet dude right now yeah. no it's brilliant i think that's so smart yes absolutely and that would perform so well mm. so well i actually think it would perform incredibly well i'll try it out i uh i mean the site is pretty much finished i just have to the hard part is just finding all of the content uh yeah if there's any good articles that you've been reading recently actually i'd love to um have them and then i can add it to the queue but yeah my answer is no i need to add some i'll, I'll that'll be my homework i need to actually start reading more and then reading more articles yeah and i'll send them to you yeah uh i don't know any other ideas for like how to have better hygiene about it i, I don't know it's it's tough yeah i mean we've talked about some ideas before too of like um especially now that open ai has opened up more functionality could you turn articles into podcasts and listen to those that's one another was like something we've chatted about before too which is exporting um articles directly to your kindle and making like my to your point earlier like my making my kindle the thing that i reflexively pick up as opposed to yeah twitter um and then if i add my kindle as more of a oh yeah here's all of the content that i want to read all in one place and it's all aggregated there then yeah i think that's mm -hmm. maybe something but um no, that's like kind of as far as I got. Yeah, yeah. All right, you want to hit what one else? more and we can do carve out? Sure. Uh, did you say you had one more topic you had in mind? Yeah, uh, I'll present it and then we can see if it's interesting okay. enough to dive into. But if you have something, I'm, I think that would be better to chat about. Let me know what you've got. Okay, let me, I'll, I'll read through it. Let me see if I, let me see if this is worthy of. <laughs> uh, I just feel like, okay, so this is basically it. I, I feel like I've gotten a lot of clarity through working for Ryan on. Clarity through working for Ryan on what it is that I want my role to be next. Like I, I we both chatted in depth about me not wanting to stay at Ophelia and me not wanting to work as a software engineer full-time and not wanting to work in healthcare anymore. And I think there's just like, there's this future arc of my life where I, I believe I would like to start another business. And it's unclear to me, or it has been unclear to me, what it is I would like to do next if I don't start another business. I've been having this identity crisis over it where like, I don't really want to do product management because it feels too hands-off. I don't really want to do software engineering because it feels too hands-on uh, and not strategic enough. And it feels like I haven't found this right mix of skills and things I get to do. And then now working for Ryan, I feel like I've found that. It's it's like being the director of special projects, reporting directly to a CEO, um, working on things that are strategically important and weird. But what's up, Sophie? Um, <laughs> but not anything that anyone has experience with. So for example, like uh, a lot of Ryan's engineers are working on things that are normal, like web application stuff. And they also need to figure out how to handle QR scanning because they're an event management company. And they're kind of like, all right, Matt, no one here really knows how to do it. Why don't you go take a stab? And I love being in that role of just like, hey, go figure out this weird thing that no one really has experience with. Um, and it's fun. And I'm enjoying that a lot. So it's just been very clarifying. And I think been a good learning for myself that I think the role kind of exists out there. I think what it'll take is finding a CEO who wants to bring someone like that on and would value from someone like that but it won't just be like this thing is listed on a website so here go apply for it it's going to be more i organically meet someone i get along with them they want to bring me on and that's the role that they want to bring me on in 
Um, I think at the very least, it's been like very nice and clarifying, and I think uh, it, it like feels like the right thing for what I should be doing next. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that kind of job ages out of a company as the company grows? Um, potentially, I think that it, the role could expand and change as the company grows. Like, I think at first it's, Hey, we, you know, like we're kind of building this product from scratch. We don't like all, not all the parts are figured out, go help us like test stuff as we figure it out. But I think that the company is always going to be working on stuff, whether it's like new experiments that they want to run about something that's going to be a potential future part of the company, but they just don't really have the employees to work on today because everyone's focused on like what is core to the business right now. I think it's it's like inherently a probably a risky role to have because I think it's the first thing that you cut if times are tough. But um, I think that it does add a lot of value, at least at early stages. And honestly, like maybe that's the role. Maybe it is that I really thrive at early stages and I don't necessarily grow beyond that. But until I start my next business, this is where I am. And then as a company like ages out of me, then I go do it for someone else. And that could be a possibility as well. I don't know if I have a clear answer on it, if it ages well within the same company. Well, I think that what's good about what you're doing for Ryan is that it you're not really working on, I mean, I think you're working on things that they want to get done, right? Like that are critical to what they, they want. So it's not a hard yeah. sell where it's like, oh, I want to work on new things that aren't critical to the business. So it doesn't yeah. have to not be, it can be mission critical things. It's just there, you know, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like the nature of it is that you're maybe a little bit ahead of where the current product and engine team are. Because I think there's like, there's kind of cycles to this. We're like product and design are probably at the like bleeding edge of knowing exactly where you're going to go next. And then they translate that into requirements for engineers. And I think I just want to sit closer to here where you're like trying to figure stuff out uh, and iterate alongside like trying to figure out what we're going to do next. And as opposed to like waiting for all those problems to be figured out before an engineer picks them up and is like, cool, I guess I can build this page of the website right. where all the requirements are already set. Right. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's great. Um, why don't you just start a new company now? What's the what's the holdup? Because I need to afford living in New York. That's really the holdup. <laughs> well, it's, it's partially that. It's partially lifestyle of like you my can priority. raise money, but yeah. It's partially that. It's partially lifestyle of my priority for the next year is dating and hanging with friends and enjoying living in New York. And I think that's inconsistent with starting a, with raising money and starting a new business. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And it will be a thing that I, I believe I would like to do at some point in my life. I don't think it's what I want to do next. It's, it just feels like, and I think no matter how much we raise and how much I pay myself, I would still make more working for another company. Yeah. You will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least for the, in the short run. So yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, man. Car, car outs? Carve outs. All right, let's do it. What do you got? What have I been reading lately? I'm reading the same books. I'm reading like three books. So uh, did I tell you about this book that I'm reading called the elephant whisperer? No, you didn't tell me. Let's... My dad read this book and he recommended it. And it's about, so it's basically, a, it's kind of like a memoir, essentially, about this guy who has a, like, a nature preserve in, in South Africa. And he essentially gets given these wild elephants um, from this other preserve that didn't want them because they were kind of being too wild, essentially. And 
I haven't finished it yet, but it's kind of about his relationship with these elephants and like trying to like get them to feel comfortable. And I think that later on, it's going to be more about just like, yeah, just like that, the what more about elephants and just how amazing they are in terms of their community and their communication between each other. And um, I'm, I'm excited to keep reading it, but I don't know. I'm, I, I really am fascinated by animals and by uh, the way that different animals, especially like intelligent animals, like elephants and dolphins communicate with each other. So I'm excited to uh, learn more, keep reading, but so far it's been good. Cool. I love it. I, I feel like I haven't read anything good that has gripped me since the Elon Musk biography. So I, I'm excited for any book racks. Yeah, you uh, you should you should download the sample and see if it. I, if it I literally you. did that as we were chatting. Yeah, as you were mentioning, <laughs> it, I was like, "Oh, this is in my alley." Memoirs, nice. love it. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Let's go on. I've got two uh, episodes from the vault. Oh wait, uh, I've got I've got one more before oh, I just me. remembered. Hit me. Um, What's this comedy movie that we watched this weekend? Um, uh, it's Paul Rudd. Oh, it's called "They Came Together." Um, it's it's uh, Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler. Have you heard of this movie? Mm-mm. I'm writing it down right now, though. Okay, it's kind of terrible, but also hilarious at the same time so the cast is amazing it has bill Hader, uh kobe smolders from hi met your mother ellie yeah. kemper uh jason manzukas uh everyone is in this movie ed helms like it, it is the cast is just like every scene they bring in someone else famous and you're like oh my god that person's in the movie too <laughs> and the, my car on is just i can't believe i've never heard of it before but because of the cast it's from like 10 years ago Essentially, it's like a satire making fun of all the cliches from rom-coms. So, like, it's every cliche in the rom-com. Like, the acting is, like, purposely bad. But I think it's just hilarious. And there's just, like, a bunch of absurd scenes in it. And I, I think the humor would actually be up your alley. So, all right, cool. I would I'm recommend it. It's, it's on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. All right, I've got, I've got three podcast episodes for you. I think okay. all of which you've already listened to. But... Uh, one of them was new to her from the vault. The new one was Sarah Moore on my first million who she just has such an inspiring story. She's incredible. And, uh, I'm sure that all 20 people who listen to our podcast also listen to my first million and, uh, <laughs> and have already heard this episode, but just a really inspiring story hearing about what she overcame. Uh, and like I, I can speak to, I guess, a lot of the experience that she ex had with other HBS kids and feeling like, oh my God, there are all these like very privileged kids who showed up here. Very few people like her, um, where she went to jail. She uh, basically like was in a broken home and overcame all that. It's it just like, it's such an inspiring story, but also speaks to something that I believe personally, which is that I think it's really beautiful to like, help one person really deeply as opposed to like helping a lot of people a little bit. And uh, there are a couple of families that have this tremendous impact on our life and really change the trajectory of our life. And that was very inspiring for me to learn about. So amazing story. Uh, very cool to listen to. And the other two were both acquired episodes. One is the benchmark part two dinner. So this is Ben and David sitting down with all the benchmark partners. Um, and I had this reaction of, I never think I want to go into venture, but if I ever did, I would only do it for benchmark because I, I just feel like they, 
they have this incredible culture of like, you know what, this is, we've made all these strategic trade-offs. We don't raise the most money in the world. We raise just enough for us to have this outsized impact on the one or two companies that we invest in every year. We will drop anything we have to go help them. And we are going to try to be value-added investors in a way where most other people are, are playing an assets on their management game. And they seem to laugh a lot and just think a lot. And it's it's such a it seemed like such a cool environment to be part of that that yeah. was inspiring to me and uh, made me want that in my career. Like I would love to work with other coworkers where you feel like they're all just inspiring you and make you want to raise your bar even higher and make you think and make you laugh. I think that's it was just like a really cool thing. Uh, yeah, I feel like it also would be awesome to have a venture fund or some sort of investment fund with your friends. Yeah. And and it, it's kind of an awesome career if you can make it work for yourself. Totally. Not that yeah. it's easy, but it, I feel like a lot of the parts of it are that it's it's pretty fun if, if you are at their level also. Yeah. And if you make the strategic trade-offs that they make, which are like, we don't write investment memos, which to me, like having done that before, it's so soul-sucking because all you really do is you, if you want to invest in a deal, if the like partner wants to invest in a deal, you write it up in a way where you justify their decision. Like they've already made the decision. It's not like they the memo is influencing it. They basically decide decide based on vibes. Like, yes, we want to invest in this company. And then you write up a document saying why it was a good idea. But it's it's not like it's helpful. No one goes back and looks at these things. I, I just find it to be such a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was, I love it. I love everything about them. And the other one was Ben Thompson on Acquired. And, and I love Ben Thompson. I, I like listen to every write up that he does uh, as a podcast. I don't read his his drops anymore but uh I, he's so brilliant just thinks so eloquently about starting a business on the internet and the implications of that and i think there are even really interesting implications for us as content creators here and like how do we play to our strengths and the fact that we uh like we are small and nimble and not the new york times in order to create whatever we want to build and to the conversation we've been having behind the scenes like what is your edge what it, what are we providing that people would not get anywhere, but also is like mm. true and core to us is a conversation I think we're going to keep having. It's something we've had over the last few years and I think we'll continue to have as we keep building the pod. Cool. I totally agree. Love it. Uh, and with that, Seth, I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Not that I will not talk to you this week, but uh, the people will not hear from us other than this episode. So hope everyone has a wonderful <laughs> Thanksgiving. And that's also, I guess, saying that out loud makes us forced to actually put this episode out in a timely manner and not three months later, like we have episodes. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Cool. I'll talk to you soon. Happy Blanksgiving. See y'all. Bye. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>